0: All right, so my friends, once again, we find ourselves. It uh, seems like a broken record in, in these last uh, six to eight months or so, but we find ourselves at the end. I mean, I know Sunday's the beginning of the week, but we are finding ourselves, it feels like more like the end of a of a long week. <laughs> you know, another long week here in 2020, which is a pattern that's becoming familiar. And, and And once again, one of my go-to's, I've spoken about this before, is to, I found myself outside, this time in in the woods, just simply trying to find peace and a sense of grounding, not not only in God's creation, which is fantastic, but also I was trying to chew on some scriptural concepts as I walked. And so I was lost in the woods. I wasn't actually lost in the woods. I knew where I was, but I was lost in a guided meditation where the liturgist in this meditation asked a question. And she said, what does the voice of fear whisper to you? That's a good question, isn't it? Right? What does the voice of fear whisper to you? I mean, just look around. It seems like the voice of fear seems to be whispering a lot these days into our weary ears. Uh, It seems like the voice of fear is constantly whispering into our weary souls. And and into our ridiculous attempts to try to control each and every situation we find ourselves in, and our struggles to try to will our control into existence. However, we read this this morning in our liturgy, and and, and we sang it in both songs. I don't know if you noticed, but both songs today, we sang this verse, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear see, there is no fear in love, John is writing, but rather love. Love, he says, that is complete in all of its parts. Perfection actually can cast out, push down, and toss away fear. And so as you can probably tell at this point in our service, we're going to put a one-week pause on our Lord's Prayer series this morning. Uh, series like this, like as we're doing, are, are fantastic, just like uh, the lectionary. Those types of things, series and lectionaries, can give us a focus. Uh, it can give us something to focus on week after week. But the Spirit does blow where it may, and, and the Spirit is bringing us this morning into First John chapter 4. Uh, we'll pick back up with our Lord's Prayer series next week. But today I want to reflect on these words that we're reading here. I want to dig in a bit to 1 John chapter 4. And then I want to allow them to wash over us through a a brief. We're going to do an abbreviated version of this practice. It's a familiar practice we've done here at Regen before called Lectio Divina. Um, It's something that we're very familiar with. However, I went and looked back. We haven't done this practice since March 29th, which was when something else kind of big was starting to happen, and we felt like we needed to just be washed over with the words of, of, of God. And so, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read through, and we're going to talk, uh, you know, for a, a few moments on 1 John 4, and then we'll go into our abbreviated version of Electia Divina. But let's first, let's open up with a word of prayer. God, Heavenly Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we just simply ask that with whatever is going on in our lives right now, that you would be here with us this morning, that we would be present in your spirit, We would be present together as your church, as your body. And that you'd allow us to look through the words that John gives us on love and fear in Christ. We simply pray this all in your name. Amen. All right, so let's first, what I first want to do is just kind of, so if you know anything about Lectio Divina, Lectio Divina starts with a, uh, the the first step is a, what would it be? I forget what it's called, but uh, something, taking a bite, basically. Like, the first step is just t- somebody taking a bite and trying to see what the author is even talking about here. And so we're not going to do that in Lectio Divina form, but I kind of want to do that here together in more of an expository form. Uh, and, and so I want to put that verse into context, the one where I say that perfect love casts out all fear. And this is the context in which it, is, it comes to us. Uh, if you're following along in a Bible, we're going to be in First John chapter 4, and we're going to begin in the 7th verse, 7 to 21. Where John writes these words, he says, Beloved, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So he's saying here in this first verse, love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and then knows God. He goes and says, though whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. And so now John is telling us that if if we love, we know God. If we don't love, we don't know God. And this is because God is in himself love. And this is why. This is the way in which God shows us his love. God sent his only son, right? God sent his only son, Jesus, into this world so that we might live through him. In this is love, John writes, not that we love God, but that God loved us. And he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, John is telling us here that God is love precisely in the manifestation of Jesus Christ and especially Christ on the cross. When Jesus made that atoning sacrifice for us, To take on the sins of the world, absorb them into his own body, that is love. That is what John is telling us here is perfect and complete love. It's Jesus' sacrifice willing to lay his life down, as he says, for his friends, for his creation. And so John then goes, now that we know what love is, which is Christ crucified, beloved, since God loved us so much in this way, we, us, his body must also love one another. He says no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. That Greek word there is, is to be made complete in all of its completeness. I said it in the, in, in the liturgy. i got to go look back real quick. But... It, It's uh, complete in all its parts, okay? So so complete in all its parts is Christ's love for us from the cross, but then also God lives in us, and his love, that same Christ-crucified type of complete love, is alive in us when we love one another. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Doubling down on what he already said beginning. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. He's doubling down the love that God has for us in Jesus on the cross. God is that love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, that we fear no evil because of what Christ and Christ crucified means for us. And they goes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, complete love in all its parts, casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us, right? If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected. Those who say, I love God, but hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, right? Christ's command, great commands, is those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. John is not saying here that the commandment we have from Christ is for those who love God should or ought to love their brothers and sisters. He says must. It's a command. A command is not a suggestion. command is a, this is what you must do. And so you get this sense through John here. It's like this beautiful chiastic that kind of comes back into a circle of love is Christ crucified. That is love. Jesus laying his life down for us is perfection. It is complete in all its parts love. And because of that love, as little Christ, that's what Christian means, then that same perfected, complete in all its parts, Christ crucified love then lives in us. Just a quick note, though, on fear and love before we dig into the Lectio Divina part and and when it comes to Christ's work. That just because uh, the perfect, complete love of God does and can cast out all fear, right? We read these words here in John. It doesn't minimize the perceived and actual threats that we face as humans. I.e., just because Christ is king, just because Christ was crucified on our behalf, just because he sits on the throne and God knows what's going on, God is in control, as we say, it doesn't mean that we just idly sit by and do nothing about the pain and the fears that we have in this world. This is what John is getting at the heart of this as he continues in this letter to the church because one aspect that I find so beautiful about these words from John is that on one hand we're told that the perfect, complete, in all its parts love of God casts out fear, okay? We no longer need to be afraid because of God's love for us. Amen and amen. But he's also saying that our striving, our striving for perfect and complete love in all of its parts for our brothers and sisters, right here in verse 12, through the atoning work of Christ can begin to cast out the fears that we have in this world. The fears that we have of one another. And these are the fears, oftentimes, that lead to unjust pain and suffering. Yeah? Are you you getting the the, the connection here with Christ crucified and, as little Christians, us also becoming crucified with him? There was a... uh, I saw this this week that I really loved. It was uh, Actually, Anna shared it with me. It was, um, it was a woman by the name of Ayanna Mathis. And, 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 and she wrote this this week, and I agree. She says that the hypostatic union of Jesus, the hypostatic union of Jesus, this is a fancy church word for Jesus, was God and human at the same time. 100% both, okay? The fact that, God, that, 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 that Christ was both God and human present room and space for us to acknowledge his deity and his power, right? That he sits on the throne, he is in charge, but we also can acknowledge his humanity because he was 100% human at the same time as we journey through being kingdom citizens, little Christs in a broken world, right? She says we can talk about two things at one time while not lessening the other, right? We can hold space of lament, but also space for hope. She's basically saying we can chew gum and walk at the same time. Just because we know that God reigns, God is supreme, just because we believe and we love the sovereignty of God and Jesus sitting on the throne doesn't mean we can't also hold space for real human pain and suffering like Jesus experienced with us. That the fact that God's perfect love casts out all fear and that our attempts at love can shift our world towards this truth it doesn't eliminate the reality our pain produces. But it does promise us peace in the midst of darkness. And that's what we're focusing on this morning Christ and Christ. The love of God through Christ, right? We keep talking about this. I I was joking with Andrew this morning because of something, a picture that he sent me. But, 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 but but that we are. This is what we're talking about this morning. That I know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. I know nothing of that perfected, complete love of Jesus, and that does promise a peace in the midst of darkness, because as we sang this morning, He is with us in the highs, and in the lows. And so, with that, I'm going to invite Stephen to come up. And I just want to allow these words to wash over us. I mean, I've obviously got plenty of stuff to say on this, but I really want to just saturate our souls and really allow God's word to speak through us this morning simply from John's writing. We already did the first read-through, the take in a bite, if you will. And so I'd like to invite you now to put your feet on the ground, just notice your breath, don't change it, just seek to notice it. Become present this morning, in the Spirit. As we pray, gracious God, we know we need not summon you into our midst, for you are already here. We simply ask that you would allow us to notice your presence, your presence that fills our lungs and your presence that fills the entirety of the cosmos. With whatever is going on in our life, we bring our whole selves before you. We ask for your guidance. We ask that as we meditate upon John's words for us this morning, you would reveal to us who we are, not who we think we ought to be. God, help us to be still and know, to truly know that we are your beloved sons and daughters, that we're no longer slaves to fear, and that you listen to us without condemnation but in love. Please speak, Lord, for your children are listening. Continue to breathe. Continue to be present in this very moment. You can do it with your eyes open and your eyes closed, however best you want to let God's word run over and wash over you. And just notice, as I read right now, where your soul may be connecting to these words. Perhaps it's one phrase, maybe it's one verse, maybe it's the entire thing as a a whole But just notice where your soul may be connecting with these words. Beloved in the Lord, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So then, beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen God if we love one another God lives in us and his love can be perfected in us by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given of us his spirit and we have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, But perfect, complete, in all its parts, love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For they do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen. They cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. And so now take a moment, a quick moment, to pause and reflect and simply ask, how am I at this moment with going, what's, what's going on in my life, how am I relating to these words? What emotions did you notice as I was reading these words from John? What thoughts did you experience during this second time of, around? How would you feel if those were Christ speaking those words directly to you? Just take about 15 seconds or so and contemplate these words of John. I'm going to read this passage for the last time. This is the third and final time. We'll read it this morning. But this time I want you to listen attentively. Is there a particular word or phrase that is really standing out to you now after listening to this three times? Has God addressed you in this word and invited you to respond? Just allow the scripture to lead you now in a prayerful response to what you're hearing. This is your opportunity now in this stage through prayer to respond to God, to speak with your Heavenly Father to what He is saying to you in this word. Don't censor your thoughts. God already knows them. So just let them flow spontaneously and freely before your God who is loving you at this moment. Beloved, let us one love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So then, beloved in the Lord, since God loved us so much, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love then abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may now have boldness on this day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect, complete, in all its parts love can cast out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have never seen. So the commandment we have from Jesus is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. And so what is it that you want to say in response to what the Lord is teaching you in this word? What do you want to ask of him? What do you want to thank him for? What do you want to praise him for? Allow yourself to be open and honest in prayer with your Heavenly Father. A true encounter with the Lord always leads to transformation. And so as we wrap up our time this morning, we come to an understanding of the parts of our lives that need to be transformed by God's grace. We're going to leave this place today. And so this step now humbles ourselves and it opens up our lives to the Spirit's transformative power. This stuff comes with a willingness to change, to change your mind and also to change the way in which you relate to this world. An openness and a trust in God and the decision to follow his will and not your own. So what is it right now that you're contemplating? How is Jesus using this text to change you? What has this text taught you about what you need to turn over to God? And how is this text through this text rather how is god calling you to change just take about 15 seconds as we finish to speak with god about how it is that he may be changing your heart this morning Now may the peace of Christ which surpasses all human understanding may that preserve your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus even as he taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins just as we forgive those who sin against us Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so if you haven't grabbed your communion elements, this would be a great time to do so.